From the All-Ireland Business Foundation, this is Elaine Carl bringing you AIBF Business Talk. AIBF is an independent national body tasked with enterprise development and the promotion of best-in-class businesses as business all-stars. Today, I catch up with award-winning and well-certified interior designer, Emma Webb. Emma is passionate about designing for the wellness of her clients and focused on delivering restorative spaces that people feel good in and are supportive of positive lifestyle choices. Thank you so much for joining me on AIBF Business Talk today, Emma. Emma, I have recently moved home and I think when I come from you know, when I'm moving from one house to the next, I'm just astounded by the level of boxes and just things have accumulated over my life. And now that I'm working remotely, maybe a little bit as well, you know, it's really, I suppose, you know, come to my own attention how much things we have around, maybe what we need to declutter and get rid of. Tell us about your work, Emma, and the work that you do with Emma Webb Interior Design. Ah, okay. Well, it's the best to look with the, with the house and the, and the unpacking of all the boxes. Um, so at Emma Web Design, I specialize in what's called wellness design or biophilic design. So it's about designing uh, supportive environments that might support healthy lifestyle choices, uh, support our health and well-being. So what I thought we could talk about today is specifically uh, maybe the six pillars of lifestyle medicine, which is uh, uh, how, um, oh, I'll tell you what they are rather than explaining what it is, which are, revolve around uh, diet, sleep, exercise, uh, positive social connections, stress management, and obviously minimizing alcohol and smoking, and how we can support those positive choices in these areas with home design. Looking forward to hearing it, I suppose, especially because maybe many of our listeners might be working from a hybrid model, so we're spending even more time in our homes than typically we could have been. So looking forward to hearing what those lifestyle factors are. Well, what's interesting, especially about the home, is, as you say, people are working from home. We actually spend over half our lives in our home. So it's one of the environments that most likely has the biggest impact on our health and well-being, less than offices, less than outdoors, less than anywhere else. And according to the WHO, 70% of our health and longevity is determined by our own health behaviours and the physical environment. Wow. I know. That puts it into perspective. <laughs> It does. Do you want to hear some statistics? Which quite Absolutely. About lifestyle factors. So, you know, lifestyle factors are, are, you know, inactivity, poor diet, chronic sleep deprivation, stress. And these are all heavily implicated on the onset of many, you know, preventable chronic diseases. So physical inactivity alone is responsible in the UK for one in six deaths. It's equal to smoking. Um, our obesity levels around the world are expected to raise to 51% in 2035. And here's a fascinating one on sleep. Okay, sleep is key for our health. Men who routinely sleep less than five hours a night have smaller testicles. They also have levels <laughs> of testosterone, I know, which is that of someone 10 years their senior. In other words, decreased sleep has aged them. And similar findings have also been reported in female reproductive health studies. And oh what else? I know, a shorter sleepers who, um, maybe less than six to seven hours, you know, on, on a regular basis have been shown to have lower levels of the appetite suppressing hormone, which is called leptin and higher levels of the hormone ghrelin, which signals people to eat more. So it's been associated with lack of good sleep. It's been associated with diabetes or a difficulty in losing weight, you know, so 
This brings us back to why we, we need to think about bedroom design and how we can look at encouraging sleep, you know, good sleep during the night, obviously. And it get, a kind of good sleep starts off in the morning because it's all about setting your circadian rhythms to get to the point that you're producing the right hormones that make you tired and you'll actually go to sleep at night. Um, and so how you might look at this in a design environment, certainly what I try and do is, the first thing I do is locating a kitchen where you can you can get morning light. So where you're making a cup of coffee. So they say about 10 minutes of um, natural daylight is a good boost for your circadian system in the mornings. You're making a cup of coffee. Most people, the idea is you should go outside and stand in the sun, but no one has time doing that. They don't want to get the kids out to school or, you know, get to work or whatever it is they're doing. So at least if we get a little dose of sunlight in the morning. So this is where it's really important to look at the design of bedrooms. So for example, studies have shown that people uh, tend to sleep longer in bedrooms that are blue than in other colors, which is very interesting. Um, you want to create visual silence in a bedroom, i.e. you're limiting clutter, invisible storage, you know, ideally you can't see the wardrobes. And certainly I would use one color most of the time. I'd match the skirting boards and the architraves and the doors, possibly even the ceiling, all one color, so that there's not too much um, space. Yeah, and the brain doesn't have to work so hard looking at all the different colors. Um, warm lighting huge in bedrooms. It should be nothing colder than 2700 Kelvin, but also it's about positioning the lights at a low level. So bedside lamps are very handy, you know, keep them low because it replicates the sun setting and, it, and our body responds very positively to that thinking it's, you know, it's nighttime. Uh, doors for a suite should never open out towards the bedroom uh, or towards the bed, I should say, because the lights certainly shouldn't shine towards the bed. If there's an opportunity to to put the door on the opposite side of the room or near the entrance door to the room, that works very well. No TVs, sort of a huge thing. We know about blue lights and phones. I mean, blue lights and phones um, trigger the, the production of serotonin, which is our sort of our wake up and go uh, hormone. So this inhibits uh, melatonin, which is our let's go to sleep hormone. So that's why that works. And that's why we want to uh, minimize um, screens in bedrooms. So it's, um, what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking there, of, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, about the blue uh, room, you know, if it's painted blue, well, you know, typically the, the longer you sleep, my God, there's probably a lot of teenagers or, you know, parents of teenagers that are listening and they said, I'm definitely making sure it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, my son has a blue room and I've noticed the sleeping recently now, he is a teenager, I think, I wonder if it's time to change it. <laughs> but, you know, sleep is healing, sleep is medicine, so... And teenagers are growing. So actually, in fairness, they, they, they need, need more time sleep. than we do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's so true as well about the lighting, you know, and even just when you mentioned it there about how you and where you position the light, like the ambient type lighting and lower down, you know, bedside lamps, amplifying what's happening in nature. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And warm lighting. I, You know, the, the blue lighting is, is, is not really, it's great in the mornings where you want to get a, a boost and you see a lot of circadian lighting systems in office design now, which changes the color of the light changes during the day it replicates the movement of the sun and they've discovered that we respond you know very positively physiologically to this and it boosts our concentration levels and our you know alertness and ability to to solve tasks so um yeah i mean nature i mean this is what i suppose what we're really talking about is what's called biophilic design and biophilic design is all about well it, it's it's a kind of an evidence-based approach that fuses design with natural elements that create spaces that impact positively upon our health and well-being. And what would those um, elements be? So, you know, natural materials like timber, uh, marbles, stones, 
bringing in plants and uh, natural colors, uh, textures, but there's also hierarchies of the space. So sort of proportions that you might see um, outside, um, the, the, whatever, what else could we talk about? I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you some examples actually of, of some of the studies actually, just to give you an idea of why um, or how powerful this is. So one of the, the proponents of uh, biophilic design, Roger Ulrich, he did one of the earliest studies of how um, how seeing nature or contact with nature had a very positive health-related outcome. So he had patients recovering from gallbladder surgery and they were placed in bedrooms, you know, in the hospital on one side of a building and half the rooms had a view of a brick wall and the other side of view to some trees and shrubs. And the patients were all matched by demographics and the paint color of the room and the view. So it was just the view that, that differed. The patients with the view to the brick wall took an average of 8.7 days to recover. And the patients with the view to the trees took an average of 7.9 days. And the patients with the views to the trees had far fewer nursing calls and they took fewer painkillers. Now this study has been replicated I think around 90 times by not only Ulrich, but by others. Um, and, it, and it's extraordinary. It's just like we, we've spent, you know, are we, we evolved through nature. You know, it is, it's, it's absolutely what we need to, yeah, to, to, it's ingrained in us basically. And, um, you know, we, we were cut off from the natural systems we evolved from by living in, in concrete boxes that we built. So it's no surprise, really, I suppose, that the primitive parts of our brains crave a reconnection with nature and how it has this this uh, healing effect on us. And when you talk about connection, are you talking about having, you know, say, nice big, you know, function rooms or living rooms? Or is it like how everything works and comes together? Like, for example, I could be over at my, you know, cooker cooking and the kids could be there sitting down doing their homework at the kitchen table so that you're all kind of in the one environment. How does that work? Well, biophilic design is about engaging all of the senses. So it's it's not really taking one thing. You kind of have to have an overall approach. So if you're, if you're about to use this in your home, it's about getting the right lighting so daylight is key. It's about using natural materials. It's about using sa- sounds are really important. Uh, smell is another. So. If we were to go back to the, the, the pillars of lifestyle medicine, so we talked about sleep a few minutes ago. One of the other huge factors in our lives is our social connection. And this is really important for the following reasons. Uh, so research has shown that when sharing a meal together, a family's bonds become stronger, uh, children are better adjusted, uh, family members eat more nutritional meals and are less likely to be overweight and they are less likely to abuse drugs or alcohol. Other studies have shown that stress can be more manageable when the support of family and friends. Um, And one of the key indicators for cognitive decline, for example, dementia, includes the quantity and the quality of your social connections kind of in the current time and also in the past. So one of the design considerations we would have designing um, a home would be definitely to create an island or a shared space that people can prep food together, but certainly if one person is not left out in a separate room while others are congregating, everyone congregates around an island. They just do. (laughs) And it's great. So having an island or a peninsula in a kitchen is wonderful. We also want to consider all the different age groups who are using the islands. So you want to look at, you know, grandparents down to to grandchildren. Multiple work zones and multiple heights are actually really important to integrate into island design because uh, stools are not that comfortable for someone in their 80s 
you know, and they're not that safe, mm -hmm. but the rest of us love them, you know, so, uh, so that everybody's included. I think that's really essential. So what we have, you know, there's an idea of this wellness kitchen, which includes A, the social connectivity, B, you know, it allows for um, maybe the installation of planters, you know, that you can grow natural herbs. Your worktop might be some sort of natural effect, like a marble or a timber. You might do look at food recycling. Oh, and using nudge design. Nudge design is where you locate kind of the healthy options at, at eye level, um, including fruit and veg. Uh, you may put the, the chocolate biscuits on a higher shelf so that you have to stand and seal together. <laughs> Something I, I need to do. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Nudge design where it works by making, kind of putting this little deterrent to the fact that if you can delay someone making the wrong decision by 15 seconds, there's a good chance they actually might make the right the right decision, you know, really it's enough to do a bad decision. Um, as some of those statistics that you've, you know, put across to me there, they're actually mind blowing, but especially and hugely with regard to, I suppose, the health aspects of it, you know, and looking after our well-being in terms of our overall yeah. health and, and wellness and how we, I suppose, continue to live into our later years as well. And maybe what we're doing now impacts on that and that health side, you know, down the line. So I think it's no wonder, and I think our listeners will agree with me, it's no wonder you've recently been acknowledged as the Business All-Star South Dublin Interior Design Company of the Year, Emma. How does that make you feel? Oh, well, it was such a great award. I was very, uh, I felt very honoured to have it. And um, at the time, I, you know, when you're self-employed, you, you you forget, I think, sometimes, you know, that you, you, you work hard and that it is time to celebrate your achievements. And I, that was what the AIBF did for me, was it reminded me of what I'd been working towards. Um, and all the hours of study and and moving along. So it's it's wonderful. I, I love being part of the association. Well, I know that I myself look forward to continuing this conversation with you long after this podcast. And if any of our listeners would like to get in touch with you, Emma, and maybe explore how you could help improve their surroundings, you know, or learn about more about any of those benefits that we spoke about, how should they get in touch with you? The email, email or mobile. You can get me directly at emma at web.ie and my mobile number which we can put up brilliant fantastic emma listen thank you so much and look forward to having you as an integral part of business all stars thanks a million thank you for listening to aibf business talk today i really do hope you enjoyed listening in to find out more about the all ireland business foundation and the work that we do especially the business all stars program just go to www.aibf.ie remember Never put off until tomorrow what you can do today. Until next time, from your host, Elaine Carl. goodbye.